Section two of the Grand Inquisitor. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to find out how to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. The Grand Inquisitor by Fyodor Dostoevsky. Translation by H. P. Blavatsky. Section two. And his prisoner? does he never reply does he keep silent looking at him without saying a word of course and it could not well be otherwise again retorted ivan the grand inquisitor begins from his very first words by telling him that he has no right to add one syllable to that which he had said before to make the situation clear at once the ever preliminary monologue is intended to convey to the reader the very fundamental idea which underlies Roman Catholicism, as well as I can convey it. His words mean, in short, everything was given over by thee to the Pope, and everything now rests with him alone. Thou hast no business to return and thus hinder us in our work. In this sense, the Jesuits not only talk, but write likewise. Hast thou the right to divulge to us a single one of the mysteries of that world whence thou comest? Enquires of him my old inquisitor, and forthwith answers for him. Nay, thou hast no such right, for that would be adding to that which was already said by thee before, hence depriving people of that freedom for which thou hast so stoutly stood up while yet on earth. Anything new that thou would now proclaim would have to be regarded as an attempt to interfere with that freedom of choice as it would come as a new and a miraculous revelation superseding the old revelation of fifteen hundred years ago when thou didst so repeatedly tell the people the truth shall make you free behold then thy free people now adds the old man with sombre irony yea it has cost us dearly he continues sternly looking at his victim but we have at last accomplished our task and in thy name for fifteen long centuries we had to toil and suffer owing to that freedom but now we have prevailed and our work is done and well and strongly it is done believest not thou it is so very strong and why should thou look at me so meekly as if i were not worthy even of thy indignation know then that now and only now thy people feel fully sure and satisfied of their freedom and that only since they have themselves and of their own free will delivered that freedom unto our hands by placing it submissively at our feet but then that is what we have done is it that which thou hast striven for is this the kind of freedom thou hast promised them now again i do not understand interrupted alyosha does the old man mock and laugh not in the least he seriously regards it as a great service done by himself his brother monks and jesuits to humanity to have conquered and subjected unto their authority that freedom and boasts that it was done but for the good of the world 
for only now he says speaking of the inquisition has it become possible to us for the first time to give a serious thought to human happiness man is born a rebel and can rebels be ever happy thou hast been fairly warned of it but evidently to no use since thou hast rejected the only means which could make mankind happy fortunately at thy departure thou hast delivered the task to us thou hast promised ratifying the pledge by thy own words in words giving us the right to bind and unbind and surely thou couldst not think of depriving us of it now but what can he mean by the words thou hast been fairly warned asked alexis these words give the key to what the old man has to say for his justification but listen the terrible and wise spirit the spirit of self-annihilation and non-being goes on the inquisitor the great spirit of negation conversed with thee in the wilderness and we are told that he tempted thee was it so and if it were so then it is impossible to utter anything more truthful than what is contained in his three offers which thou didst reject and which are usually called temptations yea if ever there was on earth a genuine striking wonder produced it was on that day of thy three temptations and it is precisely in these three short sentences that the marvellous miracle is contained if it were possible that they should vanish and disappear for ever without leaving any trace from the record and from the memory of man and that it should become necessary again to devise invent and make them reappear in thy history once more thinkest thou that all the world's sages all the legislators initiates philosophers and thinkers if called upon to frame three questions which should like these besides answering the magnitude of the event express in three short sentences the whole future history of this our world and of mankind dost thou believe i ask thee that all their combined efforts could ever create anything equal in power and depth of thought to the three propositions offered thee by the powerful and all-wise spirit in the wilderness judging of them by their remarkable aptness alone one can at once perceive that they emanated not from a finite terrestrial intellect but indeed from the eternal and the absolute in these three offers we find blended into one and foretold to us the complete subsequent history of man we are shown three images so to say united in them all the future axiomatic insoluble problems and contradictions of human nature the world over in those days the wondrous wisdom contained in them was not made so apparent as it is now for futurity remained still veiled 
but now when fifteen centuries have elapsed we see that everything in these three questions is so marvelously foreseen and foretold that to add to or to take away from the prophecy one jot would be absolutely impossible decide then thyself stanley proceeded the inquisitor which of ye twain was right thou who didst reject or he who offered remember the subtle meaning of question the first which runs thus wouldst thou go into the world empty-handed would thou venture thither with thy vague and undefined promise of freedom which men dull and unruly as they are by nature are unable so much as to understand which they avoid and fear for never was there anything more unbearable to the human race than personal freedom dost thou see these stones in the desolate and glaring wilderness command that these stones be made bread and mankind will run after thee obedient and grateful like a herd of cattle but even then it will be ever diffident and trembling lest thou should take away thy hand and they lose thereby their bread thou didst refuse to accept the offer for fear of depriving men of their free choice for where is their freedom of choice when men are bribed with bread man shall not live by bread alone was thine answer thou knewest not it seems that it was precisely in the name of that earthly bread that the terrestrial spirit would one day rise against struggle with and finally conquer thee followed by the hungry multitudes shouting who is like unto that beast who maketh fire come down from heaven upon the earth knowest thou not but a few centuries hence and the whole of mankind will have proclaimed in its wisdom and through its mouthpiece science that there is no more crime hence no more sin on earth but only hungry people feed us first and then command us to be virtuous will be the words written upon the banner lifted against thee a banner which shall destroy thy church to its very foundations and in the place of thy temple shall raise once more the terrible tower of babel and though its building be left unfinished as was that of the first one yet the fact will remain recorded that thou couldst but wouldst not prevent the attempt to build that new tower by accepting the offer and thus saving mankind a millennium of useless suffering on earth and it is to us that the people will return again they will search for us in catacombs as we shall once more be persecuted and martyred and they will begin crying unto us feed us for they who promised us the fire from heaven have deceived us it is then 
that we will finish building their tower for them. For they alone who feed them shall finish it, and we shall feed them in thy name, and lying to them that it is in that name. Oh, never, never will they learn to feed themselves without our help. No science will ever give them bread so long as they remain free, so long as they refuse to lay that freedom at our feet, and say, Enslave, but feed us. That day must come when men will understand that freedom and daily bread enough to satisfy all are unthinkable and can never be had together as men will never be able to fairly divide the two among themselves, and they will also learn that they can never be free, for they are weak, vicious, miserable non-entities, born wicked and rebellious. Thou hast promised to them the bread of life, the bread of heaven. But I ask thee again, can that bread ever equal in the sight of the weak and the vicious the ever ungrateful human race their daily bread on earth and even supposing that thousands and tens of thousands follow thee in the name of and for the sake of thy heavenly bread what will become of the millions and hundreds of millions of human beings too weak to scorn the earthly for the sake of thy heavenly bread? Or is it but those tens of thousands chosen among the great and the mighty that are so dear to thee, while the remaining millions, innumerable as the grains of sand in the seas, the weak and the loving, have to be used as material for the former? No, no, in our sight and for our purpose, the weak and the lowly are the more dear to us. True, they are vicious and rebellious, but we will force them into obedience, and it is they who will admire us most. They will regard us as gods, and feel grateful to those who have consented to lead the masses and bear their burden of freedom by ruling over them so terrible will that freedom at last appear to men. Then we will tell them that it is in obedience to thy will, and in thy name, that we rule over them. We will deceive them once more, and lie to them once again, for never, never more will we allow thee to come among us. In this deception, we will find our suffering, for we must needs lie eternally, and never cease to lie. Such is the secret meaning of temptation the first, and that is what thou didst reject in the wilderness for the sake of that freedom which thou didst prize above all. Meanwhile, thy tempter's offer contained another great world mystery. By accepting the bread, thou wouldst have satisfied and answered a universal craving, a ceaseless longing 
alive in the heart of every individual human being lurking in the breast of collective mankind that most perplexing problem whom or what shall we worship there exists no greater or more painful anxiety for a man who has freed himself from all religious bias than how he shall soonest find a new object or idea to worship but man seeks to bow before that only which is recognized by the greater majority if not by all his fellow-men as having a right to be worshipped whose rights are so unquestionable that men agree unanimously to bow down to it for the chief concern of these miserable creatures is not to find and worship the idol of their own choice but to discover that which all others will believe in and consent to bow down to in a mass it is that instinctive need of having a worship in common that is the chief suffering of every man the chief concern of mankind from the beginning of times it is for that universality of religious worship that people destroyed each other by sword creating gods unto themselves they forthwith began appealing to each other abandon your deities come and bow down to ours or death to ye and your idols and so will they do till the end of this world they will do so even then when all the gods themselves have disappeared for then men will prostrate themselves before and worship some idea thou didst know thou couldst not be ignorant of that mysterious fundamental principle in human nature and still thou hast rejected the only absolute banner offered thee to which all the nations would remain true and before which all would have bowed the banner of earthly bread rejected in the name of freedom and of bread in the kingdom of god behold then what thou hast done furthermore for that freedom's sake i repeat to thee man has no greater anxiety in life than to find some one to whom he can make over that gift of freedom with which the unfortunate creature is born but he alone will prove capable of silencing and quivering their consciences that shall succeed in possessing himself of the freedom of men with daily bread an irresistible power was offered thee show a man bread and he will follow thee for what can he resist less than the attraction of bread but if at the same time another succeed in possessing himself of his conscience oh <laughs> even then thy bread will be forgotten and man will follow him who seduced his conscience so far thou wert right for the mystery of human being does not solely rest in the desire to live but in the problem for what should one live at all without a clear perception of his reasons for living man will never consent to live 
and will rather destroy himself than tarry on earth though he be surrounded with bread this is the truth but what has happened instead of getting hold of man's freedom thou hast enlarged it still more hast thou again forgotten that to man rest and even death are preferable to a free choice between the knowledge of good and evil nothing seems more seductive in his eyes than freedom of conscience nothing proves more painful and behold instead of laying a firm foundation whereon to rest once for all man's conscience thou hast chosen to stir up in him all that is abnormal mysterious and indefinite all that is beyond human strength and has acted as if thou never hadst any love of him and yet thou wert he who came to lay down his life for his friends thou hast burdened man's soul with anxieties hitherto unknown to him thirsting for human love freely given seeking to enable man seduced and charmed by thee to follow thy path of his own free will instead of the old and wise law which held him in subjection thou hast given him the right henceforth to choose and freely decide what is good and bad for him guided by thine image in his heart but hast thou never dreamt of the probability nay of the certainty of that same man rejected finally and controverting even thine image and thy truth once he would find himself laden with such a terrible burden as freedom of choice that a time would surely come when men would exclaim that truth and light cannot be in thee for no one could have left them in a greater perplexity and mental suffering than thou hast done lading them with so many cares and insoluble problems thus it is thyself who has laid the foundation for the destruction of thine own kingdom and no one but thou is to be blamed for it meantime every chance of success was offered thee there are three powers three unique forces upon earth capable of conquering for ever by charming the conscience of these weak rebels men for their own good and these forces are miracle mystery and authority thou hast rejected all the three and thus wert the first to set them an example when the terrible and all-wise spirit placed thee on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto thee if thou be the son of god cast thyself down for it is written he shall give his angels charge concerning thee and in their hands they shall bear thee up lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone for thus thy faith in thy father should have been made evident thou didst refuse to accept his suggestion and didst not follow it oh undoubtedly 
thou didst act in this with all the magnificent pride of a god but then men that weak and rebel race are they also gods to understand thy refusal of course thou didst well know that by taking one single step forward by making the slightest motion to throw thyself down thou wouldst have tempted the lord thy god lost suddenly all faith in him and dashed thyself to atoms against that same earth which thou camest to save and thus wouldst have allowed the wise spirit which tempted thee to triumph and rejoice but then how many such as thee are to be found on this globe i ask thee couldst thou ever for a moment imagine that men would have the same strength to resist such a temptation is human nature calculated to reject miracle and trust during the most terrible moments in life when the most momentous painful and perplexing problems struggle within man's soul to the free decisions of his heart for the true solution oh thou knewest well that that action of thine would remain recorded in books for ages to come reaching to the confines of the globe and thy hope was that following thy example man would remain true to his god without needing any miracle to keep his faith alive but thou knewest not it seems that no sooner would man reject miracle than he would reject god likewise for he seeketh less god than a sign from him and thus as it is beyond the power of man to remain without miracles so rather than live without he will create for himself new wonders of his own making and he will bow to and worship the soothsayer's miracles the old witch's sorcery were he a rebel a heretic and an atheist a hundred times over thy refusal to come down from the cross when people mocking and wagging their heads were saying to thee save thyself if thou be the son of god and we will believe in thee was due to the same determination not to enslave man through miracle but to obtain faith in thee freely and apart from any miraculous influence thou thirstest for free and uninfluenced love and refuses the passionate adoration of the slave before a potency which would have subjected his will once for ever thou judgest of men too highly here again for though rebels they be they are born slaves and nothing more behold and judge of them once more now that fifteen centuries have elapsed since that moment look at them whom thou didst try to elevate unto thee i swear man is weaker and lower than thou hast ever imagined him to be can he ever do that which thou art said to have accomplished by valuing him so highly 
thou hast acted as if there were no love for him in thine heart, for thou hast demanded of him more than he could ever give, thou who lovest him more than thyself. Hadst thou esteemed him less, less wouldst thou have demanded of him, and that would have been more like love, for his burden would have been made thereby lighter. Man is weak and cowardly. What matters it, if he now riots and rebels throughout the world against our will and power, and prides himself upon that rebellion? It is but the petty pride and vanity of a schoolboy. It is the rioting of little children, getting up a mutiny in the classroom, and driving their schoolmaster out of it. But it will not last long and when the day of their triumph is over, they will have to pay dearly for it. They will destroy the temples and raise them to the ground, flooding the earth with blood. But the foolish children will have to learn some day, rebels though they be and riotous from nature, they are too weak to maintain the spirit of mutiny for any length of time. Suffused with idiotic tears they will confess that he who created them rebellious undoubtedly did so but to mock them they will pronounce these words in despair and such blasphemous utterances will but add to their misery for human nature cannot endure blasphemy and takes her own revenge in the end End of section 2